So I have something to read to you today. It's from um, Aldous Huxley. You ready? Ears open, do a little jaw wiggle. It's dark because you are trying too hard. Lightly, child, lightly. Learn to do everything lightly. Yes, feel lightly, even though you're feeling deeply. Just lightly let things happen and lightly cope with them. So throw away your baggage and go forward. There are quicksands all about you, sucking at your feet, trying to suck you down into fear and self-pity and despair. That's why you must walk lightly, so lightly, lightly, my darling. I'm going to read that one more time, just taking it in. Aldous Huxley. It's dark because you are trying too hard. Lightly, child, lightly. Learn to do everything lightly. Yes, feel lightly, even though you're feeling deeply. There's that paradox there that I love. Just lightly let things happen and lightly cope with them. So throw away your baggage and go forward. There are quicksands all about you, sucking at your feet, trying to suck you down into fear and self-pity and despair. That's why you must walk so lightly. Lightly, my darling. Mm. Thanks, Aldous. That's so beautiful. So perhaps you've heard me in class before say things like, Um, We're going to create space here by doing less. Or um, we're doing less to get more, right? Um, And many times what I'm asking you to do mirrors exactly what we did in the meditation where we bring our attention, right? That's the work of the inhale, in. And then with the exhale, we have an opportunity to expand and soften and create space and allow something inside of us to release, which is why you get that beautiful, um, calm, content feeling, sometimes, often, but not always, (laughs) right after we do a practice like that, right? And so this is this idea that we um, get more by doing less. And then there's this question that arises, well, what are we trying to get, right? Um, And A Course in Miracles has this beautiful line. It's the first lesson, I think, that they call it of the Holy Spirit, which it's a weird book. I really love it because it, it, to me, it creates a bridge between my Catholic lineage, the way that I grew up, and what I am devoted to learning and to teaching right now, which is love and forgiveness and peace, right? So just bear with me, but it's a weird book. But it says the first lesson of the Holy Spirit is to have give all to all, right? Which it, that right there has this par- paradox in it where it's like, well, yeah, but if you want to have something, then why would you give all to all? And Audra, if we're trying to like get something by doing less, what is it that we're trying to get? And the answer to that is always freedom, friends, right? We're trying to be free and in love, not right. And that means letting go of attachments. And many times that looks like giving, right? Or being in the process of that exhale where it's a softening. So 
Um, Part of this new meditation technique that I've been learning has echoed a lot of what I have learned with my teacher in town. His name is Todd Jackson. And I have this really funny story to tell you. So he, for years, I've been studying with him for years, has been like, oh my God, Audra, you're such an over-efforter. But in like the sweetest, kindest way, he's like, really trying like 180% there, you know? <laughs> like everything, he's like, just like, oh, like a little bit less, a little bit more light there. Like allow a little bit more space for the light to come in, right? Which is that spaciousness. And so I ran into him uh, outside. He was eating breakfast with his beautiful wife a couple of days ago outside of the studio. And I was having a really hard moment and we just chatted for a second. And because I have been so trained by him to be softer, to be less guarded, to be lighter, to be more aligned with my truth, I had this moment where I was talking to him and I was like, yeah, I'm having, I'm just having a difficult day. I want to go in and just be like, okay, students, what are we going to do? Cry on a bolster, you know? (laughs) And, and I started actually to cry, which is not something that I would normally do just in a quick interaction. But I noted later, it was because of the freedom that I have cultivated in the presence with this person that I felt completely aligned and capable of being in tears in front of him before coming in to the yoga studio and teaching, right? And it was perfect and he didn't think anything of it. And it was like this loving, true moment that came from doing less. And you may have experienced that also in at Love Hive um, in class at some point. I'm pretty sure like most of you have experienced this Um, or maybe in another studio if we've never met before where you walk into class, the teacher says something, it, it, touches something that is true in you like a poem and then suddenly you're in tears and able to be with that feeling in a way that you maybe hadn't before yes um i can see you're not so i'm looking around the room yes (laughs) we've all cried in yoga it's not a yoga class until someone cries right i feel like a little bit teary right now even just talking about it um so part of this new meditation um practice that I've been learning, which is perfectly difficult for me (laughs) because it is about letting be everything, not trying to do anything, not trying to work on anything, not trying to change anything. It's a being rather than a doing, right? So, and this is recognition that we are nature, It's really, that's what the practice is about. Um, And I would say all of these practices are about or this remembrance that we are nature, that if something is happening to us and we are experiencing something, it is natural (laughs) because it is happening to us and we are nature, yeah? And we tend to, everything in our society directs us toward separating ourselves from nature, like we are somehow above, right? Um, other kinds of nature. And the work of yoga, I would say, of course, yoga means union, as rather to reconnect ourselves with what is natural, our natural state. So it's a forgetting of um, anything that we think we know and a returning really to innocence, right, to our natural state. So um, if we think about the body, 
if we, for example, um, cut ourselves, right? Nick yourself shaving or cut your finger when you're chopping food. We don't have to really do anything for that nick to heal, right? We're not talking catastrophic injury. That's like a whole other ballgame, but we're just using this example. Um, We might like clean it, right, and put a Band-Aid on it or something like that, and that is like the awareness that it happened. We're not pretending it didn't happen. There's not any of that because then that, again, would be like, if you cut yourself, that's nature. That happened. It's a part of it all. Um, So if you cut yourself, your body will heal without you having to think about it, right? There's the awareness and the care, and then you just leave it, and it heals, and it's amazing. And it's this beautiful um, way in which we get to see that the the body moves naturally toward healing, right? Um, And this new meditation practice that I've been doing the idea is that the mind has the same capacity if we, have, if we can let it settle, right? That the naturalness of the mind, there is actually a higher alignment, a higher vibration that we can invite in and that we have access to that is beautiful and healing and natural. Um, and there's been some cool science around this, friends, that I love, Um I heard about it when, I th- it was a couple weeks ago on the Brene Brown podcast when she was interviewing the brain scientist guy, which if you listen to, awesome. Um, if you haven't, you should go back and listen to it. But he was talking about how when, what happens when, um, for example, tennis players, right, have their serve and they do the thing and they, you can tell I'm an expert. They throw the ball and they serve it and they do the repetition of that so many times that it moves beyond words into unconscious, right? And that the best way to mess up a tennis player's serve is to ask them to explain it in words because then they have to pull it out from their unconscious into conscious and then they start explaining it and then they're like, step left foot forward, right foot, and then it moves them. They've moved right, into a place where they have to expend more energy to do something that is already natural to them. And we can think about the same thing happens if you've ever been in a movement class where they ask you to explain walking, and then you almost like fall over because you're moving something, you're, you're moving from something that is completely unconscious and natural and pulling it up into your consciousness where you have to use words to explain it. Breathing, same thing. Sometimes you might notice this in pranayama that as soon as I direct you to breathe a certain way, you're completely conscious of your breath and it can feel a little grippy and it takes a second to settle back down, right? For you to remember that it's natural. Um, And I would wager, right, that when we are dealing with the phenomena of our mind and the phenomena of our consciousness, that when we try to explain it and use words and be like, you know, it just feels like peace when I'm meditating or whatever it is, that we sort of like explain ourselves out of it and that we have an opportunity in these practices to be able to just let whatever happens, happens and trust that it is natural, right? And so it's an allowing, um, It's an allowing for any way that the mind is moving, that the body is moving, for there to be spaciousness around it. Not a clinging, a trying to achieve a certain pose or experience, 
not a um, not a judgment like oh I couldn't do it or I ruined my meditation because then I thought a thought if the thought happens then it's like a natural thought right it's just supposed to be part of it and then you're like oh back to just like watching my breath you know and there's this like ease that comes from that when when we're being in our own wholeness rather than trying to like parse everything out right so it's a the parsing and sifting of everything takes a lot of energy Whereas when it moves to the unconscious level, we, we use less energy. If you're playing a tennis player like Serena Williams, um, she might look like she's like jacked up and like totally expending a lot of energy, but it's probably you on the other side of the net who's a novice, who's actually expending more energy because it's not part of our habit, which is why practice is cumulative, right? When we come to the mat and we feel in the flow, there's that certain feeling that we get because we don't have to spend a lot of energy like we did at the very beginning. Okay. Um, hmm. Oh yeah. And then this is the other thing. Here's another example. Our whole entire lives, we have been trying to think our way out of problems. And the question I have for you is, how has that been going? I've been having such a hard time sleeping again, friends, and this relearning of all of this stuff has been so wonderful. So when I lay in bed and my mind starts to be like, okay, if I do this and this, oh, I should have said this, and then maybe I'll do this, and I start to try and think my way out of it, the truth is is that at that moment, as I'm trying to go to sleep, nothing is actually happening. And there's nothing that I can think or decide or... um, I just can't, there's no thinking her way out, right? And so it's this, uh, we've been doing that our whole lives and it hasn't helped once. There's no, not one time can I think of a a time when I laid in bed and like tried to think my way out of something and it was actually helpful. What happens is unfolding, right? There's a becoming that's happening in our life. And love is all there is, that's it. That is all there is. And there is a trusting that is all that's true. Let me, re, let me be really clear with you about this, right? There are other energies that exist in the world, the energy of our ego, for example, but love is the only thing that is aligned and true. That's it. And so trusting that if we're moving naturally in our practice, naturally in our lives, that... Um, that all of it is perfect, like we've been talking about a lot lately because it's really the hard thing to hold on to right now, that all of it is perfect. If we're able to trust that, then that's all that there is to do. Remind ourselves that love is the only truth. That's it. And that if we trust that, then the only thing that we have to do is to just steer ourselves back toward love again and again, right? Oh, I thought that thought, it's natural. Just gonna let it go now. Oh, I'm having this feeling. It's natural, not going to attach, just let it go. So, all the doing takes us out of being, right? We are not human doers, (laughs) we are human beings. And so then the question becomes, well, how do I practice being? And this moves back toward um, my goal for all of you, which is that the doorway between your practice and life becomes thinner and thinner and thinner, so that there is the perfect yoga that is happening between your life and your practice and your practice and your life. That's the work, especially right now, especially right now. And so number one, my first suggestion 
is a sense of humor. <laughs> because I think that the way, the voice that we talk to ourselves in is something that many of us are working to retrain. Many of us have a very harsh inner critic because that is the voice that we heard outside of us that we then internalized. And part of moving from the conscious to the unconscious is repetition. And so the more that we can repeat and repeat and repeat kindness and humor and lightness, like Aldous Huxley said, tread lightly, my darling. Tread lightly, lightly, lightly. And humor is a beautiful way of doing that. And the more we do it, the more just unconsciously without having to think about it, our voice inside of ourselves, that inner critic will start to soften and become more expansive and less militant, right? Um, so there's that. And then the second part is just noticing what's happening in awareness. And that for me is a lot of inquiry. Oh, what am I feeling? What's happening here? Why am I feeling that? Is there um, something going on or is it just like my nervous system is having a thing? You know, there's lots of ways and you can look up those charts, um, those emotional um, intelligence charts. I actually find them really helpful. If I have a difficult time feeling what I'm feeling, I'll just Google one of those babies. And then I can get a little bit more specific, like it's anger, but it's actually like a frustration. Right. And oh, and then that word frustration can help me to then see like, oh, I'm frustrated because I'm not being seen or heard or whatever it is. So getting real specific about um, our awareness and that takes pausing and being mindful and naming and identifying. OK. And then the, the third part is and I think I've been calling this adulting for a long time. So there is what. We think and we feel, right? And then, then there's what happens to us and then there's actually how we respond to it. And the more that we can like create a gap between what we think and feel and our response, the more choices and the more freedom and the more access to love that we're gonna have in that space. And that it is when we like think and feel something and just respond like, bloop, oh, oh. And then a lot of times you're like, hmm. Like I... Yeah, I'm not going to tell you that story. It's too embarrassing. Um, but um, it was about me yelling something out of a window one time at this really cute dog and then realizing that I totally offended the woman who was walking the dog. And it was, be and it was because the dog was just so cute that I rolled down the window and yelled, like, oh, my God, your dog's so cute. And then it just it ended up being this whole thing. But there was a way in which what I was feeling, like, burst out of me and... I didn't think about the circumstances or the context of yelling at someone on the side of the road or, you know what I mean? Like all of those kinds of things that happen. And so we want with our um, pausing and our awareness to create a gap there between what we think and feel and what we actually do in the world, right? And that's where we get to insert our integrity and our values and our innate kindness and goodness. Remembering, right, that the body and the mind move toward healing if we allow it that spaciousness, right? Without judgment, with curiosity, with compassion. And then, um, oh, I kind of combined those two on accident. So it's the asking yourself questions um, part also can be a way to create a bigger gap. And so the questions can be like, is that really true? Do I really think that about this person? 
Is that what actually has to happen here? Do I know that for sure? And then always when I do this, my friends, it leads me, it's like a loop, it leads me back to humor, where I'm like, oh my goodness, Adra, you don't actually have any idea what that person is thinking or feeling. And then there's like a, like a laughing that can happen, where you're like, oh, all right, and it's hilarious. And you can laugh at yourself and how you made assumptions and then return, right? Back to alignment, back to love. So that's my chat for today. It's what I'm into. Um, Like we talked about at the beginning, you've heard me say creating space by doing less, doing less to get more. Uh, And that's what we're going to do today, friends, is we're going to practice, we're going to move, but we're going to practice especially with our glutes, the lower glutes, the mid glutes, and then the upper glutes, low back. We're going to practice getting space in the pelvis by actually doing less. So we'll learn that in the beginning and then we'll carry it through the whole practice. So there'll be a little bit of that repetition, but now we have the understanding that repetition helps it to move us, move it from our thinking mind into an unconscious where there's a lot less um, attention that has to happen there, that focus and that concentration and that doing, because there has been a myth, my friends, that the self-help world perpetuates that healing equals doing, Right? And I, I want, there is engagement there that has to happen, but my prayer and my vision and something that I feel very passionately about is that healing actually means aligning with beingness. It's not doingness, it's beingness. And that that's where the healing lies. And that our bodies and our nervous systems and our minds and our hearts and our spirit, then when we allow it, know how to unwind intuitively because you are perfect exactly as you are.